This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Welcome back to Future CEOs. So they call him Mr. Cruz SA. And if it's anything to my imagination, I think it's one of the most exciting and um, really inclusive jobs in the world. But to tell us more about the ins and outs of being a CEO executive of Cruises International, and he is known for his honesty and integrity and for future CEOs, that was, that's what we're all about. Please do welcome, I think you should introduce yourself because you've got one of the surnames that I don't <laughs> want to mess up. Please, George, introduce yourself to future CEOs. My name is George Adjuropoulos and I am the CEO of Cruises International. And is it what I imagine it to be? Tell us what your day-to-day run of the mill is. What do you do on a daily basis? How do you, no. what do you do? What's the first thing you do in the morning? Being on luxury ships. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, love. My, ima- my imagination, you see future CEOs. <laughs> Unpack it for us. Please, George, yes. It's actually not as glamorous as one thing. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people go into the travel industry because they want to travel, but our job is to send people traveling and not us uh. enjoying as much as uh, our customers should. Um, so it's like running any other business. Yes, we have a fantastic product, uh, which I absolutely love and I truly believe I made it my life. Mm, and, you, and you have after so has. many years, decades in fact, right? Yes, it's I think just over 30 years that mm. uh, I've been in this industry. I started by complete default. How, tell us how that happened. Well, I finished my studies and my military career. I was in, born and raised in Athens, in Greece. Yes. And a friend of mine had a... I mean, if my father had a friend who owned the cruise line, and I always had a great affinity for the sea, and in particularly yachting. Wow. So during my summer holidays as a student, I used to work on yachts. Mm. And uh, he says, well, my son has finished his studies and his military service, so you know, you, I know you have a fleet of yachts, and would you like him to work for you? So I started with the yachts, and then a few months later, they told me, no, I must now move to the big ships. So to my horror, I started working for the big ships mm. uh, and leaving the kind of glamour and fun of the of the yacht, of the, of the yacht space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had, uh, as we just described in the other conversation, it looked shiny and nice, but suddenly it wasn't so. Yeah, because I had exactly, and I was carrying the same misconception that a lot of people carry about cruising. Old people, expensive, boring, what do you do on a ship, you know, all that stuff. Mm. And I was trying to avoid to go on my first cruise. You know, they kept kind of pushing me to, you know, you cannot be selling this product and not having had some personal experience. So eventually one day, they practically handed a suitcase in my hand and say, off you go. Off yeah. you go. <laughs> Time to experience. And I must tell you, it was probably one of the best weeks I have ever spent in my life. And of course, I've kept repeating it many, many times in the future because... It opened a completely new world of, of traveling, of exploring, and of a complete lifestyle that I had no idea existed. Mm-hmm. And yes, in those days, it was aimed at older people, the kind of entertainment and dining and how activities. The, yeah, how's the consumer changed from then till now, George? Well, now a lot of our customers are going on a cruise for their honeymoon. They're going with young families, with children, and of course... You know, they progress into becoming empty nesters and then going into different st- style of cruising. And of course, the industry has completely changed and revolutionized itself from 
really the ships were a means to take you to destinations. That was really the the kind of uh, basic philosophy of it. But mm. um, it has changed and evolved over the years. So you have this real, I don't even call them ships anymore. They're floating resorts. They're floating yeah, resorts. Really are, yeah. So you are in a luxury resort on a full inclusive basis. And every morning you wake up and you're fresh in a new destination that is waiting for you to explore it. All right, so uh, th- that sounds magical to us. Uh, I think we should have been in your office today and in, in your studio We must somewhere. get an invite, so, uh, <laughs> Mr. Cruz, future CEOs. Can we broadcast uh, from one of our ships? Yeah, 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 Cruz and Okay, we heard it. We heard it on air. It's, it's now it's recorded. recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, let's then now, now start tapping you for some of your business acumen and Correct, insights. Yes. And so, so you have this experience where you, the best seven days – uh, you could have had right in the beginning of your career. It, 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 it opens up another world for you. Talk to us about then the next few steps, the, the next know, couple of years that unfold. Well, let me go back a bit because mm. really since I was a very young child, I had this burning desire to run my own business one day. I okay, really, so that, there was that thing inside of me. I, yeah, mm. I, I was never a corporate person. Uh, you know, I didn't look like joining a big company and spent, you know, 40 years of my life in there. Mm. Uh, I was a bit maybe too adventurous Mm. and um, what happened eventually is um, I worked for the company in Paris in Athens for a couple of years and they sent me to their office in New York which I had a wonderful two years there I must say Uh, and then they called me back to to Greece and of course you know going back to Athens after spending a couple of years in New York wasn't really (laughs) a kind of motivation for me Mm. Um, and at the same time uh, I had met a South African lady in New York and we came out here for a Christmas holiday and I fell in love with South Africa it was I think January 91 and uh, I proposed to my, my company that I will come to South Africa and open a marketing agency and promote all their cruises to the South African market. At the time, there wasn't any company of that description uh, innovative. Uh, in South Africa. I mean, there was a very high standard of living. There was a high propensity to travel. The aircraft were coming and still are coming and going full. Mm. So... Yeah, you saw that gap. I saw that gap, and I said, well, this is it. I'll come here, make South Africa my home, and start a business, which I did in a garage like all great companies. That's the true sign of a great business yeah, yeah, legacy. If, exactly. Yeah, if you haven't started in a garage, you're likely not uh, to, to, yeah. to take a real step up. So, you, nice. so were you talking about cruising musings? Is that is that what you started? Is that the publication? Tell us more about that. I just read about that. Well, that was a newsletter that we were bringing out okay. in the analog era. Back, back, back then. Yes. So, of course, I was talking to an almost virgin market. My mm-hmm. target mm-hmm. market has always been the travel agents and mm-hmm. the travel consultants around the country. So I started with them to get to know me and trust me and place business with them, which was actually less challenging than I had expected it to be. But there were a lot of challenges at the beginning. You know, who are you, you know? How do we trust you with our mm. money? So I had to find a law firm to actually open an escrow account to accept clients' bookings yep. and, uh, I mean, payments initially. Uh, and then, of course, with the change in the, the... The good thing is that immediately 
we were in business. I mean, within a few weeks, bookings were coming in and reservations. How did you do that though? So I can, I, I'm putting myself in, in a person's shoes who's just started a business. They're trying to crack into a particular kind of market. In your case, it was, it was quite fresh and as you, as you described, virgin in many ways. Uh, but, but how do you, how do you go on building trust then with people that never heard of you before who uh, potentially don't really um, want to be associated with, with anyone that may turn out to be a crook or something? How do you build that trust? Well, I want to attribute it to my charm and personality that uh, people trusted me. <laughs> okay. Initially, I don't know, but people did. Okay. Obviously, you know, they, they believed in what I said. Mm. You know, they tried me out with a booking or two. They saw that everything went smoothly and the clients actually went on the ship and they had a great time and they came back raving about their experience. And then they said, George is and not that's really. how it starts. I mean, I think in the first year, I probably did 100 or 150 bookings. So okay. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't know whether that's good or not. Grew, it was very little. Very, very I wouldn't little. be able to live on that. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to give you an idea, I mean, we closed last year with over 10,000. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, the industry has grown tremendously. When you talk about business leadership, George, is it skills or connections in your experience that has made you successful? Or a well, bit of to both. Be, to be absolutely honest, I don't think I started having neither of those two. Mm. I had zero connect. Nobody knew me from a bar of soap in South Africa. So I had, I mean, really my day would be have one of these book maps in the old days. There were no Google maps and all that in when I started. Get in the car, had kind of predetermined an area where I had located travel agents and go from door to door giving presentations, explaining my product and the merits of selling my product. And then in the evening, I had a answering machine and, you know, kind of booking requests would be waiting for me, hopefully. Mm. I would send those requests in the late afternoon to the cruise line. And then by the next morning, I would have some confirmations. So that was really the kind of my my business model and, and life cycle. Mm. Over the months, of course, it got a bit busier, so I could afford to hire an assistant <laughs> And it just uh, grew from there. Mm. And what skills would you say that you have that has made you the businessman that you are today? Well, number one, I had a great passion for the, for what I was selling. I could really put my name behind it. Correct. And yes. It is the kind of product that you can never re- oversell because no matter what fancy words I can use to describe a cruise experience, ultimately, when you go and experience it for yourself, it's 10 times better. So. Mm. There was always that wow factor. It's interesting how experience plays a part in all of this. So you were sent on an experience. There was a reluctance before and then energy after. And often you do. You have to get into the, the, the trenches, so to speak, in your they were beautiful trenches in your case. <laughs> we but would you, all like those <laughs> trenches. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you do have to, you have to get into the trenches and experience things. And experience is the great teacher often, isn't it? I think experience is the ultimate teacher. Mm. Mm. I mean, you can do all the degrees and the postgraduate degrees you want, but, uh, you know, if you don't really put your feet in the mud, you won't really learn anything. Mm. Uh, So, yes, I mean, being out in the market and understanding the market and understanding the client's needs and the agent's needs and what their aspirations were and what the budgets are and the traveling patterns and all that, you know, made me more focused and more wiser and... You know, especially with the political change in '94, a lot of the American-based cruise lines also wanted to be uh, in the market. So mm. we were at the right time to sign up 
a few more, and I mean, one or two of them are now the biggest cruise lines in the world. So, you know, we were at the right place at the right time uh, in the market and with uh, with our expertise and our product. Of course, by the time I came to South Africa, I had been to many more cruises. I had really immersed myself in the industry while I was in Europe and in the United States. So I had a very, very good intimate mm-hmm. knowledge and contacts uh, which I brought here and, mm. and, and started the business. Uh, were, were there low points though? So, Because uh, it sounds like there was almost this, this exponential rise in growth, and, but there must have been some low points. There must have been some experiences that you had to overcome that you A, learned from, but then also that you just, you know, you just tripped and fell on your face a few times. Do you have any of those kind of stories for us? Not really, to be honest. Oh, really? No. I mean, which uh, is which is I mean a remarkable thing. I mean, and and I'm cer- certainly sure you're grateful for mm. for not having to worry you know, about that. Of course, there were reservations that we kind of fell through the cracks, and there were mistakes, and mm. but we always stood by our mistakes. We always accepted them, and we always made the client feel that he actually the mistake not only corrected but he got something out of it also well, so there's the great lesson we have given a few cruises away because we really kind of stuffed up some of this reservation so mm. but mm. you know what that client at the end of the day becomes your client for life and that is really that's that's i found the most kind of difficult clients the one that abuse you and kind of talk down on you mm. and they think they know everything and the mm. ones that we have for some reason or other kind of mishandled the reservation, and I must say, it doesn't happen often, mm. uh, have become opportunities for us to create bonds. Lifelong. Uh, life bond bonds. Yeah. And uh, the, the biggest challenge we have in my business is to convince someone who hasn't been on a cruise oh, really? to take their first cruise. Is because it? there are, there's a set yeah. of yeah. resistances and misconceptions that we have to talk them through. Mm. But once they go on their first cruise, that's it. They become clients for life. And we are representing nine brands at the moment. And the reason is because as the account, let's say, grows, Mm. we have different products and different experiences and lifestyles to offer throughout the lifetime of that customer. As I say, starting from honeymoon Mm. all the way into the 60s and 70s when you start doing the more exotic stuff like Antarctica and Japan and ocean crossings and North Pole. Wow. It sounds too good to be true, but let's talk about the educational space. So um, you can tell us, what was your educational background preparing you for this? I know you said that it was lifelong experiences, but as young entrepreneurs, especially wanting to have a brand as as fabulous, but yet um, generating lifelong consumer bases, how would we prepare ourselves for that kind of journey as entrepreneurs? I don't think you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you start because firstly, you need to earn a living. And if you don't want to be in the corporate world, you have to find something to do. And yes, I loved cruising and I saw a gap and I took it and I fulfilled my dream of running my own company. I never thought sure. really that it was going to grow to the extent that it did. Mm. I mean, my dream was, you know, if I can sell a thousand cruises every year would be, you know, would give me a reasonably comfortable living. And, and maybe if I look at the, Looking back, I would have probably much sooner started thinking much bigger. Mm-hmm. And why that's limit exactly myself to thousand? And I mean, and that's exactly what. Sorry, sorry, George. That's exactly what our previous guest just said. Just if she was younger, she would have taken more risks. And mm. just, just screw it. Just do it. No, of course, you know, it's very easy to look back thirty years and say, "Oh, I should have done this <laughs> I and I should have done I know, that." But, but it's at amazing the time, how so many people say the same thing, George. You know, you know, it depends on your background, and mm. you know, we all 
carry a certain heritage mm. from our parents, from other country, our environment and all that. Mm. So what probably I found most rewarding and enriching is how I could push my own envelope. And what sometimes we say that we are our worst enemy. It is absolutely true because you have to relook at yourself and re-engineer yourself. And as I was saying, I got in touch with someone who became my great mentor in life. Who is that? Uh, South, I mean, it's Greek South African. His name is George Horiatopoulos. He runs uh, the Self Development Foundation. Wow! Mm. So he really kind of looked at me and my business and says, "What nonsense is the thousand?" Says, "Let's put five thousand." Say, you know, you absolutely mad. You don't know the market. You don't know the product, the prices. Mm -hmm. Trust me. And before I think the three years that we set ourselves as a as a target to achieve it, we're already doing six thousand. Mm. So that kind of was a big kind of revelation to me that really the once you run your own business, the sky is the limit. And you don't only sorry, not only look at the limitations of your geographical borders. I mean you have the whole planet, especially with technology in our day, to sell whatever it is that you're selling. Who else would you consider consider as mentors or who as being the CEO executive of Cruise Internationals, who are the people that you aspire and admire and who drive inspiration for you and your business? You know, unfortunately, I have to fall back to cliches, but uh, Bring it. Stephen Jobs, mm. um, Warren Buffett, mm. uh, Bill Gates, mm. uh, and of course, you know, great revolutionaries like Nelson Mandela, uh, Gandhi, Socrates. What is it about these people? You know, you can, I believe you cannot be successful in life, whether it is in business or anywhere else, if you don't start from a very solid ethical base. And, you know, you have to have certain qualities. The business, the people that will sit at a desk to think how they can make money by when, uh, it's not a viable proposition. You don't start a business to make money. I mean, that's not your ultimate mm -hmm. goal, or it's not a goal that you put as your, your guiding compass. Yeah, yeah, mm. your, your northern star. You yeah, have to yeah. offer something. And I mean, there is a great definition of a salesperson. And it's someone who helps you make a decision that is good and beneficial for you. Mm. And that is really how I saw my role. I had a product that I truly believed that would enhance people's lifestyles and holidays. But holiday extends more into mm. coming back refreshed and happy and yes. content that you did, did something wonderful with your loved one or your family. And you're ready to tackle the world again. I love that. And I didn't have that. I, I wouldn't that. really. And I had many proposals to join businesses and think tanks in the past. But just I wasn't attracted by the product or by the philosophy of the people who wanted to start the business. I, I really I really appreciate what you just said. Yeah, the, the idea of moving your, your true north, your northern star, away from the money toward... A, a true belief in what you're doing. Mm. I think that will stand out every single time. And so perhaps that's the answer to the question which I asked a little earlier, which was, why did people trust you? Why did, why were people so convinced? And, and you, of course, jokingly said, well, my bubbling personality, but yes, <laughs> your, your personality linked to, to the, to your, your deep belief in your product. I really believed in my product and I, I, I always believed in my, my word was my bond and it still is. Mm. That's a very old so, school ethic and we love that, you know? Mm. I mean, people who have been is. in the, the business. 
box in a long time you know it was old school with old school values you know really believe in commitment and my word is my word and that takes you a long way that's intergenerational actually it is and i think the more technology and artificial intelligence Mm. and all that is progressing the more i find there is a need for human contact and trust Mm. and there is no trust in the world absolutely so we give that you know when when a couple will come into our office or we go to their home to talk about a cruise. The first thing is to create that trust, to believe that they can trust their dreams and their money to a team that will fulfill and go beyond their, their expectations. It's very rewarding for us. I did introduce you as somebody who has described you as being a businessman of honesty and integrity, and you've just ticked your own box. Yeah, and that's the only thing I had when I started, and probably the main thing that differentiates us from a lot of other companies out there. There, there is, um, I mean, we're running almost short on time, so let, let's see if we can get some quick answers out of you, out of you. We call it our quick fire. Quick fires. Quick, quick fire fires, questions. George. <laughs> so your three, your three pillars of CEO mm. leadership, what are they? Your three pillars. And I think you've described them as we've had this conversation, but let's solidify them. Your three pillars. I would say provide motivation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Offer guidance, empathy, and support okay motivation natural probably more but that's what no I no think no very guidance, <laughs> guidance mo- motivation support um and vision and vision yeah very nice My it's really to get people to do what they have to do but also feel that they want to do it mm. Mm. yeah well what's that's the great art is to get uh, and i forget who says it one of these sages um the the, the trick of leadership is to be able to get people to do um, what they sometimes don't want to do. Something to that effect. We'll right. get that quote. Um, yeah, no, we will. We'll we will. Um, what was I going to say? Best advice you ever received. Best advice you ever received. Only a thousand. Let's go for five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, very, very good. Uh, very you, good. Okay. Your question. Right. Phoebe always <laughs> yeah. goes on about how leaders are readers. Uh, do you have a particular book that stands out to you that made a difference as you have? The, the, let me just jump back. There's an irony here. The, the irony is you never wanted to be part of a corporate environment. But then you go on to, to build a business, and that business some, invariably turns into what others might re- regard as a corporate environment. So just, just as, we, as you view yourself as a leader that has grown a business, what, what has been a book that has stood out for you? Well, let me start with a book. Uh, the book that uh, really stands out for me is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It, mm. was, wow. re- it was written in the 1930s, yes. and yeah. it's still as important and can't find the word contemporary mm. today yeah yeah it is it's very relevant we in fact we have that on our um on our website as a free download so wow. if you just see us forward slash ebooks you can get the you can get that that book Thank there's you. one book someone should read to start a business or start a journey in life in general because it's not about rich in terms of money it's rich to enrich your yes. life mm, mm, very nice i'm <sighs> So you promise, and it's on record, that Future CEOs is going to record live broadcasts on other cruises, so I stand by that. But, George, the Mr. Cruise SA, thank you for just inspiring and motivating me personally just to really 
take more risks and dream big and the globe is your playground. So thank you so much for spending time with us right here in Future CEOs. So certainly are also the messages that I've heard. Maybe because we've got one more minute with you, let's ask the question we ask all of our all of our guests. If you can go back in time and speak to the future CEO you, you're a 20-year-old future CEO, you're talking to yourself. What do you say to yourself? I would say exactly what Richard Branson would say. Screw it, let's do it. Screw, Screw it, it, let's do it. I think that's a good way to end the show. We're so very grateful for your time. We are looking forward to being able to uh, just look forward, see how you grow, see how you're doing. We'll get you back on the show in a couple of years. And maybe that 10,000 just turns to 20,000. A few months. A few months. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, George. We really appreciate your time. And we will see all of you uh, same time, same place next week, Luby. Bye bye now. This is Cliffcentral.com.